I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everyone. It's Brian with 12-Pack Radio, and we have an excellent show for you because this week was crazy town. We had Oregon State beat Oregon. We had Washington. Washington come back from a 21-point uh, deficit on the road. We had a, a Cal-Stanford game that was super close. Just just a lot of stuff to talk about. And we're going to break down all those games. should mention this episode is brought to you by our friends at Nextiva, who have just been super awesome to us. Uh, they're the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone services chosen by U.S. News and World Report. I'm not certain if you were watching the, I think it was the the UCLA-Arizona game where, uh, and the Nextiva stuff is all over the place, but it was Nextiva and then it was just and Vineyards, which is one of my favorite vineyards in Palo Alto. So like two of my favorite things. Uh, so Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy to use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more. All for the fraction of what you pay for those services separately. And uh, Nextiva has been able to just allow us to do more shows. So um, we're going to have a scheme show this week, which we're really excited about. Really good reviews on that. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, if you want to support the podcast, Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com forward slash 12 pack. That's nextiva.com forward slash 12 pack to get started. Oh, Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12 pack radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, Washington fans. Welcome back, Oregon State fans. Welcome back, everybody, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Baderang College Football Statistical Model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling news with William Hills, Max Meyer. This is Brian Conger. Holy Moses. What a week. Uh, the Pac-12 went went Pac-12 on itself. Finally, this uh, this past week we have upsets of Oregon. We have a a Washington comeback from the depths of hell all the way back to uh, the promised land two and zero. We have Colorado playing. San Diego State, a ton of games to talk about. We're going to go through all of them. We're going to talk about our general impressions, preview every game coming up, review every game from the past week. And I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Rob Barron. What's going on, Rob? I'm uh, I'm excited to be here in a very uh, unpredictable Pac-12 at the moment. This is We were looking at the slate of games before we were... Uh, <laughs> Before we started to record, and it's kind of a little bit like a hot stove, I guess, or, or more more like a like a gumbo mess. I don't know, Max. There, there's a lot of games out here that are are quite interesting, and I would not advise people gambling heavily on a lot of them. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, just at least with college football this season, you can't really make you. At least for me, like I haven't made bets until the day of if, I, if I'm betting pregame, and I mean, most of it has been live. So, but yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm just looking out my window right now, making sure that ZTF doesn't come in and sack me. Oh my gosh. He is amazing. And just has come on with his hair on fire. Elijah Molden, we, we knew he was going to be awesome. 
And the question was, you know, with Washington's defense, like, you know, they're missing on Wuzurike and a couple other players. And it was like, Joe Tryon was out and who was going to step up. And, uh, and, you know, ZTF just sacked my grandmother. I'm, I'm pretty sure it has just been a crazy fun type of defense to watch from Washington, at least in the second half of the, <laughs> this last game. And, uh, I, okay, let, guys, let, let's just get into it. Let's talk about our general impressions. We just saw this past week, a ton of upsets, some really close games. And let's start with you, Max. Uh, give me give me three things that stood out for you in this past week. So I know that we talked a lot about Oregon's defense and that we should be worried. Um, full-fledged panic right now for Oregon's defense. Um, Cal's special teams. Holy Moses. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cal, Cal. And that, this is why I actually think Cal is, is underrated right now. Like, their special teams has blown two games. Like the UCLA game that they were completely outclassed, but they should have they should have beaten Stanford and and they should have beaten Oregon State in my opinion on, on both of those. So, but yeah, but their special teams, yikes! I, I got I wonder what they are in beta rank, and and then and then the third um, that Washington Utah game, it kind of felt like a bizarre Washington Utah game from last year. It was wild. Uh, I, I watched that whole game. I mean, we, we all watched um, almost all of the parts of all of these games. So we have a lot to talk about and a lot of like a lot of things to cover. But uh, yeah, that or let's start with Oregon real fast. Holy goodness, that that defense. And we, we talked about this a little bit the last couple of weeks where it seemed like the defense got their act together in the second half. And I thought that was a credit to the staff making adjustments. And then the UCLA ga- game happened. We're like, oh, no. Oh no! But it's like I don't know. Oregon State's not great, and yeah, yeah, they can run the ball against Oregon, but they'll probably figure it out. And all of a sudden, you have like wide receivers I have never heard of get a hundred yards uh, receiving in this game. Rob, uh, what a mess! We'll, we'll get more into that Oregon game, and of course, like a celebration of Oregon State winning the Civil War. Jonathan Smith, Coach of the Year in the Pac-12, like you've been already <laughs> asking for, Max. I think you're going to get that. And uh, Rob, Rob, what's it out for you this week? Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, the obvious one I think was Oregon's defense, but I really think too, that, uh, we, we learned, and maybe this is, um, you know, don't overreact too much early on, uh, you know, like Washington's defense, which looked amazing against Arizona's, you know, offensive unit, uh, came back down to earth. I mean, really was, was a little bit more like the unit that we saw against Oregon state. Um, and, and Utah was definitely in this game, you know, and, and was really doomed in the second half by two turnovers. I mean, I still think Washington's defense looks far and away like the most solid unit in the Pac-12, but I mean, Utah was able to run the ball pretty well against the Huskies. I mean, and it really, like it made you realize that. And then of course the Arizona game going out at the same time, like how incredibly bad Arizona's offensive line is. I mean, really maybe the worst unit in the Pac-12 <laughs> Maybe the worst worst unit west of the Mississippi. Um, but like that, I mean, like realizing, you know, like where we need to really reset our expectations so that it does look like, I mean, if you were going to put money right now with where Oregon's defense really has shown themselves to be, like you'd probably, you know, lean a little towards Washington in the north. Um, that said, I mean, it's oof, like I mean, that that Washington you know, team like they they came did come back down to earth a little bit uh, after last week. Oh my gosh, it, it, it's been uh, it was again an interesting week on, on my end. Uh, I'll add two more. The first is Stanford. I mean, Stanford is what Stanford is uh, at this point, and that's a program that's been in decline, and it looks like it's going to continue being in decline. I, I I actually had money on Stanford at one and a half. 
and the thesis there was, okay, Davis Mills is going to put it together um, at least a little bit more than he did in the previous game. And he, I mean, like if you take a look at the stats, I think he had like a 70% completion rate or something like that. But I was watching that game and just going, man, he is not what I thought he was going to be. And particularly with some of those uh, wide receivers that they had on that front. And so I'm just, I'm just not like, you know, I'm, I'm out on Stanford. I think, I think the other thing too, is Utah, Utah needs an offense. <laughs> they need a quarterback, uh, obviously with, with the injury that they had in that first game, which is a total bummer. But uh, you know, a lot of those points that they scored were based off of turnovers and, uh, and it just just taking a look at that second half against Washington, um, you know, Utah had three tur- turnovers on their own, and Washington just stopped them. And one of the things that I'm really excited to do is go rewatch that game and see what the play calling was from uh, from the offensive uh, staff there at Utah. Because man, I mean, wh- just the clamps got put down on the. Oh, hold on, hold on! Like in that second half, Washington, the Utah moved the ball. They turned the ball it was, over. Was, it was turnovers. I, it was turnovers. Washington didn't clamp down in that second half. No, no. I, I, okay. Uh-uh. So, so, so that one, the one, the one fumble uh, with a freshman, I get you there. That was a 65 yard drive before he fumbled that football, but go and take a look at the other three drives that they had outside of those turnovers. It was like 30 yards, 32 yards, 20 yards. I think they had a four and out. It wasn't a three and out. Uh, I just, yeah, they were able to run the ball, but if you take a look at those, it was, I mean, it was just one player is that freshman that was able to get the, the job done. They really did a good job bottling up Brumfeld and, um, uh, and, and my apologies to our Utah fans here, <laughs> uh, Wilmore. Um, they, I think they averaged like two yards a carry or two and a half yards a carry. Um, and, and again, shout out to, um, Ty Jordan for getting about a hundred yards on the ground, but, but I mean, that was it, right? Like, I mean, he was able to, to I'm just, up- I, I still disagree. I'm not buying it. Like, I mean, getting like those 30, like 30 yards may not seem like a lot. Right. But like, you know, you put the, you know, you're consistently flipping the field there, you know, like forcing Washington. Like it was not Utah did like Utah. There was so like, I, I don't think it was necessarily just the play calling in the second half. Like, you know, three turnovers in the second half will doom you. Well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not t- obviously the turnovers were the story of the game, but 140 yards through the air, what 140 yards, 120 yards on the ground. I guess when you have three turnovers, right, <laughs> that does cut into what your totals are. I don't know. I, I just I'd like to take a look, uh, a second look at that offense and see what happened there because I, I really did think in the times where they didn't turn the ball over, they also sucked. Um, but we'll see. I mean, the one thing to, that was a bright spot for me was Brian Thompson who um, had about 65 yards to the air. And then it looked like he got hurt because he didn't see a lot in that second half. But uh, man, he looked like a playmaker. If you're a Utah fan, I think he has a bright future. And he was somebody that I was really excited to see if he could bring it this year. And he certainly uh, looks like he did against Washington. Um, any Anything else Anything else uh, on your mind, Rob, in terms of the conference? I mean, we're going to talk a lot about these games as we go through and we preview and review every game. But um, anything else we should highlight that, that might have slipped by us? I mean, everybody keep an eye on like who's able to actually play right now, of course, and like what happens with Colorado and USC who won't be playing each other. You know, like the pressure is on each of those teams now. Uh, you know, like and I, I feel like I have to go back and like re you know review the conference, you know, uh, tiebreaker rules for the Pac-12 South. Uh, Max, let me ask you one more question. You know, you work for the largest sports book in the world. Um, you are a Pac-12. Uh, savant and i know you cover other sports too but i know that the pac-12 has always been something particularly football has been something that you followed very closely and i know in the past that you've mentioned you know betting in-game wagering you know bet the the, like the minute of when you know who's actually going to be in the game you know taking all that aside is there um 
have there been any like trends that you've seen? I mean, sometimes we look at spots, you know, like a look, you know, look ahead game or a letdown game and that kind of stuff. And you're really good at that. But it just seems like the Pac-12 hasn't been able to have those because it's been such a topsy-turvy year, you know, whereas the SEC, there's some games that I'm betting like, oh, Louisville won that game with, and, and now they're playing nobody. And then they got, you know, uh, Clemson next year, like next week, I'm taking, you know, Louisville's opponent, regardless of who they are. Um, but, but it just seems like that's not really <laughs> happening here in this conference. What, what say you? All right. So I would actually say, so Cal's offense has definitely uh, struggled so far in the Musgrave era, but I, um, their first drives against Oregon State last week and against uh, Stanford, or Oregon State two weeks ago and, and Stanford this past week, uh, they actually did a nice job scripting. Yeah. And so with Cal getting off to these uh, good starts on their first drives, I, I uh, betting against them live just because uh, again Stanford like um, Cal was favored after after they got off or after they score on their first drive. Um, and then with the Oregon, I mean, Oregon state had that Jamar Jefferson long run on that first drive, but I think, uh, betting against Cal, um, after a scripted touchdown, but then again, I mean, this week, like I actually really, really like Cal because I think that they're a little underrated in the beginning. I thought, I thought second half Oregon was going to be a thing, but that, that has definitely not been the case, uh, the past, uh, two weeks. I don't know, it's just it, it's hard just because it's it's such a small sample size so there really isn't a lot to take and just with all the uncertainty with everything like it, it's there's a, it's a lot to t- there's not a lot to take away I I think and if you've been listening to the podcast last year, one of the things we've talked about is, you know, week six being beta rank day where we have so much data to work with where we can really compare the the different units of, of each team and we have a good handle on what they are and right now it's it's just conference against conferences teams are figuring it out and not playing so that so so beta rank has a lot of preseason stuff i'm assuming still baked into it for the pac-12 right rob how, how would you how would you characterize the the data we have right now on all these teams i mean at most you have teams that have played four games right i mean there's a, i believe there's two teams within the pac-12 that have actually played four games right now so there's that that leaves you with <laughs> that leaves, I mean it's it's UCLA one of those games is against Cal uh, and then Oregon State um, you know every uh, they're the only ones that at this point are just getting a little over fifty percent of only in season data um, everybody else is below fifty percent in season data and you know we're like for for everyone across the country like we're not gonna like beta rank at no point this you know, this coming year will, will be, you know, purely in season data, um, simply because there's just not enough non-conference games for us to be able to do, uh, adjustments. And if, if you look right now, like for teams that are, you know, the, the, you know, the, the way beta rank is shaking out for non-conference comparisons for the conferences that have already played a bunch of games. I mean, I, I try to warn people, like it's a little unreliable right now. Like it's, it's, because most teams are playing conference games and therefore beta ranks trying to predict those games. I'm just kind of letting it run loose because it's predicting pretty well with that. Um, and you know, hitting against the spread, but it is, uh, you know, for bowl season, I will have to come back to preseason weight because I actually, I don't believe BYU is like the number four team in the country. Like that's just not, that's not the case. So <laughs> I have to, I will have to like dial in some more preseason weight to sort of reestablish some of that conference weighting. I'm sure Utah fans are glad that that you mentioned that. So, uh, 
<laughs> let it be known, Rob, not a BYU fan in terms of them being a top four team uh, that is vying for the playoff. We will see. Uh, all right, let, let's get into these games. We're going we're gonna to review every game that happened. We're going to preview all the games that are coming up. And we'll do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Is William Shatner? You want it? Actual gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby. Okay. All right, we're back. And don't think we're not going to start with Oregon State. Don't think we're not going to start with Oregon State, who in the Civil War was able to take on Oregon. And what a game. Just super, super fun. Now, the way that we do this is we always go through the games that are coming up. We'll talk about the point spread, and then we'll get into the games that those two teams this coming week, uh, the games that they played in the previous week. So that would be Oregon State, which is an 11.5 point underdog on the road against Utah. And um, Oregon State ended up taking care of business 41 to, to 38. And when we talk about programs, we talk about coaching. Uh, one of the things that stood out for me, Max, was uh, there, there, there was an alternate universe where Oregon was able to just to stomp on the comeback um, and, and really keep Oregon State from getting that last touchdown. Uh, and they didn't. And it's a testament to Oregon State. It's a testament to what they were able to do. I think they got a bad spot at some point in that game um, again. And um, and it ended up working out in the favor of Jonathan Smith. This was a huge win for this program. And it was interesting. I was taking a look at some of the stats here. And Oregon State side, um, one of the things that really, really jumped out for me was not only uh, the, the ability uh, of them to, to put up points on what is a pretty brutal Oregon defense, which is like the surprise of the uh, surprise of the year, I think. Um, but the fact that like uh, Hughes Murray was able to get in the backfield three and a half uh, tackles for a loss, I thought that they were able to put some pressure, um, not a ton, but, but enough on Tyler Shuck, but also um, keeping Oregon out of their backfield. One sack, three tackles for a loss total, the entire game for Oregon. And this is a front seven that we thought was going to be nasty. Not only did they not uh, did have an ability to stop the run, but they didn't really they really didn't get in the backfield as much as you would anticipate them against a, a, an offensive line that's really well coached but certainly not uh full of uh you know these five-star players max what what do you think about oregon state's win over oregon here no I, I just i think jonathan smith like established himself as the best uh head coach in the pac-12 uh oregon state's offensive line i think has been one of the biggest surprises uh this season in the conference and i get that's also a testament to how uh strong the the coaching staff is um, I mean, Tristan Jebbia until he got hurt on the, um, on near the final play of the game. I mean, he had a solid game and I, I, I think that Jamar Jefferson is probably the front runner right now for PAC 12, uh, offensive player of the year. Well, you're so joking. A, a lot of, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. Well, was, we were going to, we were joking about him getting 200 yards against Cal. He did it against Oregon. <laughs> He did it against Oregon, and it wasn't just on these explosive plays, man. Like he had a couple big plays, but um, man, 226 yards on the ground on almost 30 carries, two touchdowns on the. Uh, anyway, I just want to highlight what he was able to do and get some stats out there. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so just a, a lot of things going well for Oregon State, and I thought that 
before the season that it was going to be a major step back just because Oregon State's not a program that reloads on talent. But with just how good this coaching staff is, uh, the adjustment period hasn't taken that long at all. And, and I mean, Oregon State is really close uh, if it wasn't for a Pac-12 ref screw up to being three and one with wins over Washington and Oregon, who we thought were two of the three best teams heading into the Pac-12 yeah, it's- uh, season. It's it's amazing. And Rob, one of the things I saw was a lot of Oregon fans going after Tyler Shuck. I don't think that's the story. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he had two picks. Um, it wasn't his best game, but 65% completion rate, 285 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. It's not like this offense can't put up the points. It, it's the defense here. And I, for Shuck, this being his first year, man, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do in the future for Oregon and what he can do also this year. I think he's been a pretty solid quarterback, like one of the better ones in the conference. Um, but really, it's just Oregon's inability to stop anybody. Like if they had a defense that could really stand up, I mean, like they're they're consistently putting up 35, 40 points every every game and the play calling has been pretty solid uh all, all throughout i think there's been some really creative things that we've seen um that joe moorhead has done particularly on some of these key downs um I, last week was was one of the areas where there's a couple plays i was like i don't know if i'd call that one but you know i'm not the not the expert but i didn't like it with my eyes um but w- what's going on with this defense rob holy moses it's it, it is a mess even if i mean so like let's say oregon doesn't turn the ball over sure they probably win this game However, we would still be sitting here talking about the fact that they gave up 532 yards to Oregon State. We're outgained significantly by the Beavers. Um, that they gave up 6.1 yards per carry, you know, and 269 yards total on the grounds of the Beavers. I mean, the Beavers were able to move the ball incredibly well uh, against this Oregon defense. And, you know, we everyone sort of had questions coming in, um, you know, and we, we, we hammered, I mean, we, we hammered this defense last week talking about their performance and it, it carried over again. I mean, and it's not, you know, we talked a lot about the secondary with the potential losses there. I mean, really they had a, they had a decent game, you know, against the pass Oregon state was running the ball so well though, that really like the, you know, a lot more became available in the passing game. They, you know, Oregon is just, they are getting blocked. They're getting beat. In one in man-on-man matchups, Oregon is getting flat-out beat. UCLA did it. Oregon State did it. Stan- Stanford, who can't run the ball, Stanford did it to him. And you know, we, I just, I'm in awe of how incredibly bad this Oregon defense has been. Um, you know, I, I think that that you know this Oregon offense, I think, is really where I I think we thought they would be right, that they would be talented, that they would be, you know, that the the play calling and the scheme would be there with Moorhead. There would be some mistakes, um, you know, that they would have to overcome, but you know, as the season wore on, you would expect them to to continue to learn. And I really, I do like, I mean, I like what they have available on offense. I like it when Chuck runs the, uh, you know, the read option with him. Um, I think that that gives them, you know, with, with his ability to throw the ball as well. I think that really opens up a lot for them. So I, I mean, offensively, Oregon's right about where we thought they'd be. This defense is this defense is is legitimately terrible. I think the one thing on the offense where uh, to give a little bit more credit to the Ducks is, you know, there's a lot of talk about starting a, a, basically a new front line. Um, and whether or not they'd be able to, to put it together with a quarterback that hadn't really seen the field a ton. So, I mean, I, I want to give them more credit than, than maybe 
um, some experts are giving them just to be able to put all that together and be able to consistently move the ball, not just like in dinks and dunks, like they're throwing the ball down the field. They're, um, they're able to get big plays on the, on the ground and also through the air and, and just able to like do some misdirection. Anyway, like it's been really fun to watch that stuff and that's really come together uh, really well. But, uh, let me throw this one more back to you, Max on, on the defense. Is there anything Oregon can do to, to just, I mean, there's only two games left to change the course, or it kind of looks like this defense is what it is now. Uh, I mean, I, I would agree with that, though. To be fair, um, the Cal offense hasn't been that inspiring, so maybe this could be a nice get well game. But I honestly, I, I thought that just knowing, like, going into the Civil War, that if you could stop uh, Jamar Jefferson, that Oregon State's offense could be, like, slowed down, and, and Jefferson was still able to run wild. I mean, yeah, just yikes. But no, I mean, all these all these opt outs that Oregon had um, re- before the season, like really, really have played a part. And and I mean, ju- the Justin Flo injury there. I mean, Oregon still has a ton of talent on defense. But yeah, just what a I, I think the most that's been the m- most disappointing point or unit for me in the entire Pac-12. It kind of even re- worse. Not as bad, not as bad as Cal's special teams, but more disappointing. It kind of reminds me of USC in the sense of like a lot of the pieces were still there, particularly on the front seven. And I know like the linebackers, they, they, they missed a decent amount, but you had these five-star kids coming in. Um, we've talked with Oregon fans that were pretty high on the ability of the linebacking core to step up. Um, and they're just giving up yards like consistently across the board. And yes, there's been injuries, but um, you know, if we do the same thing with USC and we kill that defense, even though there's injuries, we have to do it with Oregon. <laughs> and like, I'm not an Oregon fan. I'm just like looking at those games and just going, man, I really thought they were going to be the class of the PAC 12 and they're not. So um, at least on the defensive front. So anyway, let, let's move on. We have the next game here. Um, so obviously Oregon state plays Utah and Utah comes out to a 21 0 lead at halftime and ends up losing the game to Washington. There, there's two ways to approach this, Max. We can approach it from uh, congratulations to Washington for, for a gritty comeback, or we can we can approach this from holy Moses, Utah. You had the game and you just fell on your face. Which direction do you want to go? Uh, I'll go Washington, actually, because I feel like, at least with Washington last season, this was a team that was that was this Utah team. Like they, they constantly had double-digit leads and fell apart. And now this year, especially like we were so down on their offensive coaching staff, uh, we were we weren't sure how uh, Jimmy Lake would fare in his first season as head coach. I mean, they lost a decent amount of of talent, though they did also had a good amount returning, especially on the defensive end. And they were left for dead. They were they were down twenty one nothing. And I want to give Washington a lot of props. I mean, they that comeback very unexpected. And I mean, it what. Each team had so many turnovers. It, it was it was kind of a mess. <laughs> and, but I mean, I, I was really impressed with. I, I think Kate Otten is a star. I think Washington. Uh, well, I mean ZTF. At least when I think of, or at least when I thought of college sports, I thought when whenever I heard the name Zion, I thought that Zion Williamson would, you know, hold this place forever as the most dominant Zion. But no, ZTF. I mean, he's been unbelievable. And Washington. They do. They just have. They have so many intriguing pieces, and, and they're and they're still a young team. Uh, it just really uh, depends on whether this coaching staff can hold up its end of the bargain. But I think the Huskies have a really bright future. Yeah, I want it. Like we mentioned uh, Elijah Molden before, uh, kind of at the pre part of this podcast. The one other, the other player I want to give a, a shout out to is uh, Yula Foscio. We were we were down on the inside linebackers, and we talked about him being a walk on. 
Um, he's been where he's he's needed to be. And like, yes, you, I still think you can run on this Washington team, but like, I, I do think that he's he's been in some areas where he really needed to be, and he's found the gaps that he's needed to find. Um, and I am less worried, although I am I am not. 100% sold on the front seven, but um, up the middle. But I do think that some of those concerns that we had um, were less founded uh, now that the, the game has been played than uh, than they were when we were going into the preseason. That, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that this Washington team has they've definitely answered some of the questions that I think we've had of them. I thought really for the most part during the game that I thought, I mean, I thought Morgan Scali called a pretty good game actually against this Washington offense. Um, and I thought over, you know, like eventually like Donovan sort of figured it out and put it together. Um, I mean, I, I think that there are things really from this, from this game in particular that both teams can feel really good about, you know, like Utah, you know, I, I think you should feel good about the defensive performance that you put on for the most part. I mean, they really, I mean, held Washington in check, um, prevented them from being able to run the ball terribly well at all. I mean, even though Washington, you know, ended up throwing the ball significantly more than they had, um, say in their first game, you know, they didn't run the ball particularly well, uh, against this Utah offense. Um, and then, you know, the, uh, I thought, uh, you know, I did think Donovan really, you know, found some soft spots against this Utah defense, um, you know, towards the end, the second half. I mean, it was unlikely that Washington was going to continue to be as bad as they had been in the, in the, in the first half. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, I, I think if you're, you know, if you're Washington, I mean, I think that there's, there's definitely some good with Morris. He's got some footwork issues. He's got some things he thinks he's got to work on. I mean, he, people talk about his arm too much. It's not really, it, it, his arm is fine. He needs to stop throwing off his back foot when he's throwing the deep ball. <laughs> like, um, you know, and they've got, they've got, some, I mean, like what I think is interesting when you look at this Washington offense is like when they can find the way to get Nakua involved um, and some of the talent that they have a wide receiver, I think that they're going to be better, but I do worry about the, you know, Donovan was Donovan was calling a fairly conservative game um, in a lot of ways, even though this was far more opened up than they had been against say Oregon state, or maybe even Arizona. And I, you know, there were a lot of run calls that were sort of inexplicable and, and didn't do, I mean, Washington just wasn't getting you know much done running the ball at all. No, 26 for 88 on the, on the entire game. Um, and, and there wasn't a lot of sack yards either. So that's, that's a pretty, pretty legit number there. Uh, Dylan Morris, 23 for 38, 60%, 272. I agree with you, Rob. I, I, um, I thought it was interesting, though. I forget, like it was at the end of the half when they did the Hail Mary. So I'm going to say he has two touchdowns and two interceptions because that last one was just Hail Mary and ended up getting picked off. Um, But I thought it was interesting that they ended up uh, with like they had five seconds left and they threw the ball 10 more yards to get him a little bit closer so you can check that ball down the field. I don't know if that's uh, arm strength or not, Rob. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. I mean, one of his picks, too, where he was, uh, you know, where he, he he definitely has a tendency to, to throw off his back foot instead of, uh, you know, getting his hips really into the throw. So if, if he'll fix that, or I, you know, likely over his career. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, I just, I don't think there, he's quite able. He's certainly not quite there. Um, I haven't been quite impressed with him, but he, but man, Kate Otten is a star and he certainly has been able to find him game after game. And that was kind of something that we had expected. Um, but anyway, able to throw the ball a little bit further down the field than they did in a couple other games. Let's move over to Utah. Jake Bentley, 16 of 23, 70% completion rate, but 144 yards, one touchdown, two picks. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the story, right? Just was the, the turnovers here, Max. 
Yeah, and he also lost a fumble. I mean, Utah had, what, four turnovers, I think? I mean, yeah, like Rob was like, Utah was able to move the ball. And, and oh, and I mean, besides the turnovers, on a fourth and one, I mean, they had a failed QB sneak. And, and something that I, I never thought I would see from Kyle Whittingham, he punted on fourth and one little pass midfield, which I thought was shocking. So Utah definitely had a lot of opportunities uh, to steal this game, even even after uh, Washington was on its uh, path to making the comeback. But I don't know. I, I just like we were say, like, or like we were saying, even though Utah did cover this game, that this Utah team with all with all that they lost that early on in the season was going to be when they were at their most vulnerable. But now they have two games under their belt, uh, two games against very good teams in, in U.S. or good teams, I guess in USC and Washington. And now it'll be interesting to see if they can turn the corner here against Oregon. Yeah. And, and again, uh, uh, Ty Jordan deserves some accolades 10 for 97. Uh, he did have that key fumble. They had driven about like six, 65 yards down the field and just coughs it up like on the 10 yard line. And you just got to feel for the guy. Cause that, that probably is the game right there. Um, uh, 215 yards total on the ground. So, and some of that was from Bentley. I, it, I think the story really is the quarterback play though. Is Bentley going to be able to prevent the ball from being turned over? Is he going to make smart decisions? Uh, because you're right. I think the, the teams that Utah is going to be playing from here on out aren't going to be as uh, tough. And, um, let, let's see if he's able to, uh, do some ball control here and allow them to establish the run. Uh, Rob, one more thing about Utah. what do you think about their offensive line play? I mean, I thought they were, I mean, significantly better in this game, oddly enough. I mean, but I also like, I want to like, when I, when I say this stuff, like I do want to think that they, I, I do want to point out that I thought that they were improved off of last game. I also think, however, that like, as we judge this out, that I do think Washington's offensive line or defensive line is as vulnerable as we thought, right? That that dominant performance against Arizona has more to do with Arizona's complete dysfunction, right? Um, so I'm interested to see Utah again, go up. I mean, like USC has a decent defensive line. They really, you know, were able to put the screws to Utah, you know, and slow them down there. I, 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 you know, Utah, they're, they're going to have, I mean, who do they have next? Not not off the top of my head. They They have Oregon state. I mean, Oregon state's not going to necessarily like, you know, like bust their chops too hard on, on, uh, so this, this, you know, they, they might have a good shot here, you know, to actually go through and, um, you know, be able to put up some yards. If, if, if they run into, I think that their opportunity, the, the, you know, the, the, the times where they may get challenged on the offensive line, um, you know, if they were to get a game, uh, against Colorado, a game against, uh, you know, UCLA on that last weekend. I'm, uh, let's get into this game here. Oregon state is an 11 and a half point favorite. Or I'm sorry, dog on uh, on the road against Utah and just coming off Oregon uh you know beating Oregon I, there has been some interesting parts of Oregon State's offense I was surpri- I was surprised at the number and then I remembered it could be a letdown spot um I think Utah is going to continue to improve at least on the defensive front and um and likely they'll be able to run the football uh Max did this line pop for you or what did you think when you when you first saw the, the number come out Yeah um I thought it was I thought it was interesting for sure just because this was definitely a game I was looking uh, at just because, I mean, Oregon State coming off such a massive win, their their biggest win of the season. Um, and, and, and Utah, like, they've dropped their first two games, and this last one was in heartbreaking fashion. So they'll be uh, likely tr- uh, coming back, like, focused and angry. And, I mean, this is still a well-coached group. 
Um, 11 and a half though. 11, uh, I was hoping for maybe like seven and a half, eight. I wasn't, I double digits, double digits is tough. So I'm probably going to stay away from this game just because as much as I like the spot, I, I just think at 11 and a half, I think the number's gotten a little out of control. Yeah, Rob, I, I you know, Vegas knows their stuff and <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, come on. Um, you know, but, but like Oregon State's put together some interesting quarters and, uh, you know, the, even the games that they had that were close, I think they were able to step up and score points. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play against this defense of Utah. Uh, what do the numbers say here? I know, again, there's a lot of preseason stuff. We haven't seen a ton of Utah, but I'm curious just kind of to dive in a little bit and see what we have. Well, it's interesting because the lines moved, uh, you know, up to that 11 from around nine. And that's about where Bader and Kazit, um, Bader and Kazit at eight and a half. Uh, for Utah uh, there. And it's, you know, number 30 Utah and, and number 56 Oregon State and Beta Rank. Both these teams are still, you know, a ton of preseason weight in there. You know, and it's, I, I think, I think a lot of people are are buying in on the Utes after that performance against Washington. I don't know. It just, it feels like a, it feels, it still feels like a small sample size for me. And I, I think the other part is, is that whereas Oregon State's coming off what should be like a, you know, if we were talking about last year's Oregon team, like a huge bump, right? Like, congratulations, you beat Oregon. Now, I think I think a lot of a lot of betters are off of Oregon being particularly good. And so I don't think Oregon State got much of a bump off of that. Um, so maybe they maybe they are planning for a letdown, you know, a big rivalry game, you know, upset. You know, they hadn't beaten Oregon in a little bit, but you know, the the matchup here. You know, the, you know, or Utah's offense comes in at number forty. Uh, you know, Oregon State's defense comes in at seventy-four. Uh, Utah has been far more effective running the ball, twenty in effective rush, seventy-four in effective pass. They're going to have to, you know, Oregon State's likely going to line up and try to force them, you know, Bentley to throw the ball. Um, you know, see if they can, you know, get him into some turnovers. Uh, you know, see if they can also get Rashid going, uh, who really hasn't had a, a big year so far. You know, for them. And then on the other side, it's the number 32 defense for Utah. They've, they've been bouncing. You know, this defense has been climbing up a little bit, um, you know, against the number 61 offense for Oregon State. Uh, you know, Oregon State's been a lot better running the ball, um, you know, as we talked about early on um, than they have been throwing the ball. Uh, Utah doesn't have a big run pass split. So it, it, this is going to be interesting, I think, for the, to, to see here. I do think that they were able to, to hold Washington in check running the, you know, with Washington running the football. Um, but I mean, neither offense had a really great game up there in Seattle. So I'm, I'm interested. This, this should be a fun game. I, I think the, uh, you know, I think that the Beavers, I, I think that they can keep it closer than 11. I think the key matchup, Max, I'm curious if you agree would be Oregon's uh, defensive front against uh, Utah's ability to run the ball, because I just don't trust Bentley to chuck the ball around the fields and, and make smart decisions just based on what I've seen so far. Uh, so I think it's really going to come down to, can Utah run the ball? And uh, I don't know. Is, is there a, another side of the coin that you're looking at to being the key or, or is that about right? Well, I'm interested to see if Jebbia plays uh, just because even though we weren't really high on him, uh, I mean, I mean, just throwing it, throwing in another quarterback into the fold, uh, might not be the best. And I mean, with Utah, they've just had so many turnovers their first two games. Like they had, they had five against USC, uh, and then another four against Washington, like not nine turnovers in two games is yeah. insane. So I think that maybe that there could be, if they can, 
I, like if just really if they, if they can stop shooting themselves in the foot, uh, I think that they'd be much better well off. Well, obviously they'd be much better well off. But yeah, nine game nine turnovers versus and uh, two games though that it seems very unsustainable that they're gonna keep turning the ball over at that rate. So I think that there's there will be positive regression there. Oh, totally agree with you on that front. But 11 and a half is a lot of points. I'm just trying to figure out, can Oregon State keep up with Utah? I think Utah is going to score. Um, and, and that's a good point on the turnover uh, battle because I think that, I mean, it's crazy town how many they've had. What, double digits in two games almost? That, that's nuts. Um, but, but Rob, what, what's Utah's rush defense? What, what does that look like? Where do they rank here in beta rank? Um, Utah's defense, they've been, a, you know, they're, they're at 41 in effective rush. They've done a little better, um, you know, with that you know, particularly shutting down Washington this past week, um, you know, USC, you know, doesn't run the ball, you know, terribly well, um, but they were decent at it against the Utes. I'm, I'm interested to see because, you know, Oregon has, Oregon state has been so, so good running the football. Um, you know, I, I, I want to see this, this Utah line get really tested um, by what Oregon state's going to throw at them. All right. We got to pick this game and I'm, I'm not excited about it. God, I want to take Oregon state, but like, I feel like Vegas is just, it's just setting that trap, and I could definitely see a scenario where Utah just stomps um, and kind of just puts puts a puts a statement out there. Uh, who are you taking, Max? Uh, I really can, am I allowed to pass, or do I have to pick? What? How about how about we assume that Jebia is playing, and and if he's not, we will we will scratch this. Uh, I'll take Oregon State. I just I, I just think the number is too high. If it was. If it was below double digit, if it was even at like nine and a half, I'd be taking Utah. But I, I think I think eleven and a half is too much. Ugh. What do you, and I'm 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 not uh, poo pooing this pick. I'm just I'm I know I'm going to be in that position here. Just a sec. Who are you taking, Rob? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Beavers. I feel like I feel like Vegas is sort of like baking in like three Oregon State turnovers, but I think Utah's good for at least two turnovers. Okay, eleven and a half. I'll take Oregon State. Yikes. Um, we'll see. I, I am not confident about this game at all. And when all three of us pick, and it's been a rough year um, all over the board uh, with some of these games, uh, it makes me a little bit nervous. But that's okay. Let, let's move on here to the next game. Let's go. We just talked about Oregon. Oregon is in ch- I'm changing my pick. I'm taking Utah. <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. That makes me feel better. One of us will get this right here. Let's go to Oregon, who is a 10-point favorite on the road against Cal. And we already talked about Oregon and their game against Oregon State. Let's move over to what Cal did last week, and that was lose to Stanford by one. And, uh, you know, I saw a lot of tweets, Max, about, you know, of Stanford fans and Stanford, um, uh, you know, the folks that cover Stanford football, um, a lot of videos of people celebrating with the axe and stuff. And I I just I just kind of wish that they could take maybe the axe handle home for this game and not the whole axe because they shouldn't have won this game. And I was again, underwhelmed by Stanford. The one point went over Cal. Uh, we talked a little bit about special teams and, um, and I, but even then just watching Stanford try to move the football, uh, this is not a team that can settle for uh, field goals. And unfortunately that's something that, uh, that Shaw tends to settle for if his offense isn't moving. Um, and, uh, a punt on the 35 yard line. I assume that you appreciated that max when we saw it. I don't know. There's a lot to talk about in this game. Where do you want to start? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, you're right. Cal, Cal outplayed. I mean, Cal averaged six yards per play on offense, Stanford 4.5. I've been very disappointed with how Davis Mills has played this year. Um, Cal had two turnovers. Stanford had zero. Uh, I mean, Cal missed field goal. 
Um, missed extra point, obviously, that would have tied it. Uh, fumble the punt. Uh, they had – they onside kicked it from the Stanford 35 because of two Stanford uh, unsportsmanlike conducts, and they kicked the onside kick out of bounds. Like this this special teams is just an absolute dumpster fire. It, it's, it's almost impressive at this point. But, yeah, I just – Cal, like, Cal, we we all hit the nail on the head that Cal was overrated coming into the season, but now at zero and three, they're under I, they're underrated in my book, and I see that they are still getting double digits uh, at home against Oregon, and that is a line that I would love to pounce on. Though I am going to wait until closer to game time just in case there's any uh, COVID surprises coming up. Taking a look at Cal, Rob, um, I think Garbers is looking better. I don't think he had a great game, nine for 29, but he did no picks, 151 yards. So it wasn't like they were moving the ball super far down the field, uh, two touchdowns, but he did have 51 yards on the ground. I think that was kind of the story. The fact that he and Damian Moore stepping up with a hundred yards on the ground against Stanford, uh, Cal looks like are, are going to be able to run that ball. Um, and I think that could keep them in the game here against Oregon. Really not super explosive uh, through the air the last couple uh, games, but um, I do think that uh, they were able to put up some numbers on offense despite the fumbles uh, and and were able to get in the backfield for Stanford. They had six, uh, four sacks, six, six tackles for a loss, and um, yeah, they they for the most part held the the Stanford run game in check. I don't know how what that means, right? Stanford's run game isn't the best in the conference, but they were still able to uh, really uh, meet the expectations that were in front of them. I don't know. What, what did you think about Cal's uh, ability to at least stay in the game against Stanford? I mean, like you go through this and you look at it and you're thinking like, man, Stanford ran the ball 35 times for 95 yards. Like that's, I mean, so there's some sack yardage in there clearly, but like still like that's, <clears throat> that's unbelievably bad. That's what Cam, Cam Scarlett calls a perfect Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Just so so many handoffs and so little to show for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, if you're a calf, like it's, it's the UCLA game was, of course, a disaster. But the last two weeks, you really have to feel like you've played better than your opponent and, you know, still come away with a loss. That doesn't make that doesn't make a lot of fans feel any better. Um, I would feel better, you know, like this this Cal team certainly looks like where like for for my money looks uh, looks like you know about the third best team in the North, which is where we had them pegged. Um, yeah, they're starting to put it together more. I, I mean, I th- if I was I was were I'd be I would have been worried. I think coming into this game that they might have given up more yards if if Stanford had run the ball that many times. The fact that they were able to show up and shut that down, I think, speaks well, right? Like the, the the middle of that defense still looks a little soft at times, you know, against the run. I think, you know, this is a real positive result for them. I mean, Stanford's running game isn't anything great, but, you know, the fact that Cal was able to shut it down while Oregon certainly didn't, you know, I think speaks well to where the defense might be. And then the offense, right? I mean, like being able to run the ball that effectively, that's, I mean, that's terrific. I mean, Stanford's defense isn't anything. I mean, I feel like I keep coming back to like, actually, Stanford's not all that good and you lost, and yet you lost to them. But, um, you know, Stanford's defense isn't all that great, but, you know, Cal, I mean, I do feel like for them, like with Musgrave coming on, there is a bit of a learning curve still, like for them to be, you know, they're, they're progressing along with what I think this offense could be. Um, and they still have the potential too to have, a, I mean, Cal had a ton of returning production coming back this year. It's not like a lot of these guys, you know, are, are going to be leaving early for the draft. So 
Cal has the potential to have a you know a, you know a bunch of this production coming back with a lot you know a lot of comfort level coming you know uh, with the new offense. So I think they're. I mean, you'd obviously rather be anything other than zero and three, but I think still if you're Cal, um, you know the the actual play on the field minus some you know catastrophic turnovers has has been better than the final score. Two things keep me from wanting to jump on Cal right now. The first is the special teams. Because that's that's going to cost them something in this game, uh, and you have all those hidden yards. The second thing is, uh, I'm curious about the matchup. I'm I'm still not bullish on Cal's ability to throw to their wide receivers. I think that the corners of you know the corners that Oregon has, I, I think we'll we'll put a clamp on the guys on the outside, and it'll be up to whether or not Garbers can throw it to the tight ends. I think Garbers is going to have a pretty good game. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. It's just are they going to be able to stretch the field enough? um, to, to cover that spread. Um, I don't know. Am I worrying too much about that, Max? Uh, I mean, o- Oregon's defense has had trouble stopping a lot. I, it, it's, so I don't, I, I feel that, uh, it, it's, it's tough just because it is, it is like, it, it is like still like a somewhat of a limited sample size for each team. But I don't know. I, I just think like some like, I feel like with cow special teams that we've already seen enough that we can tell it that's going to be like, a, but just like a quarterback getting the ball out to their wide receivers. I, I, I don't know. I, I Garbers is good enough. Uh, they have some, t- they have some talent on the outside. Like I'm not worried about that, to be honest. Okay. I don't know, man. I mean, like I feel so bad about taking Oregon. I might just do it again. Like, ugh, I don't know. What were you going to say, Rob? I mean, it's like it's one of those ones where I felt like Baderink was like Baderink was nearly dead on with Vegas on most of these games. That they've got Oregon at ten point five, basically ten point four four. This one's tough though. I I I'm actually leaning a little Cal because I just think Cal's gonna. I think Cal's gonna run the football because everyone runs the football on the Ducks. Yeah. All right. Um, I will take Cal. I do think Cal's going to put up points. I'm curious what this, the over-under is on this. Do you, do you have that by chance? Does anybody have that on him? For Cal, I would I would imagine like high 50s. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Um, anyway, I'll keep a look on that. I might I might swing back. Um, I'm curious where the line goes. Um, if, if it keeps jumping up, I'm more bullish about Cal. If it dives down, um, I don't know. I think Oregon can come out and win this game, but that defense, again, is like I think it just kind of – I think it is what it is. So I'll, I'll take the points. I'll take Hal. Um, and I, we're all, all three of us are doing that. Yep. All right. <laughs> I, I, I've seen a Vegas over under and it's 57 and a half. Okay. Yeah. All right. I feel a little better. Cool. Well, Hey, let's, let's get to the rest of our games. Let's do it right after this. All right. We're back and we're talking Stanford and we're talking Washington. Stanford is an 11 point dog on the road at Washington. And uh, we just talked about we, we just took a, a big giant dump on on Stanford the last four minutes, and now they got to go to play Washington. Um, Eleven point, like I just I've wanted more out of out of both the defense and the offense, Max, when it comes to Stanford, and I just haven't seen it. Um, I don't know if if Stanford's going to be able to run the ball against Washington. Um, I, you know, I there's a scenario where I think Davis Mills continues to improve, but now he's got to go against Washington's secondary. Um, I think there's a scenario where they're just not able to put up points. Um, and it's just a question of whether or not Washington can, and I'm not a big fan of Stanford's defense either. I think Washington might be able to move the ball here. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't know. This one's tough because I mean, 
yeah, I, Stanford definitely has its fair share of issues, and they could very well be. I mean, they, they should have lost the Cal game, and Colorado. I mean, that game wasn't nearly as close as the score was. I mean, Colorado just completely smoked them in the beginning. Um, and then actually, the, the, I feel like the, the game that Stanford probably played best was maybe the Oregon game. Yeah, I know. But that, that was misleading, too. Uh, I, I just, uh, I think 11, I, I get, like, I'm going to be taking double, di- except, I guess, except for apparently Utah. I'm going to be taking double digits in most of these games. Washington, it's just they're they're coming off an amazing comeback win. They might be a little flat to start against Stanford, but I mean Stanford's also coming off a big rivalry win themselves. I just I think this is gonna I think this is gonna be a low scoring game, like maybe like a twenty four fourteen type of game or something like that. And, and eleven points is a lot for a low scoring game. I I don't know. I I think it's gonna be low scoring from a Stanford perspective, but. Um... I, I just don't trust their secondary. I'm not a big fan of Dylan Moore. Like, I think if, if he's throwing picks, which which certainly could be a scenario, I think that that cuts back on uh, the Washington's ability to cover the spread. But I do think he's going to be able to move the ball uh, in the intermediate and short area, and he's done a pretty good job doing that. In fact, the intermediate pass area for him has been, uh, particularly to Otten, has been the one area where I've been actually pretty impressed with him. Um, and I do think that Washington's going to be able to run the ball uh, although 11 is a lot, Rob, what, what do the numbers say here? What, what does beta rank have the, the spread at? So beta rank has this one. At, uh, this is the one where there was some discrepancy. Beta rank has it at almost 16, you know, 15.95 likes the Huskies in this game. I, I tend to agree with that. I, I think that Washington's defense can stone the Stanford offense. Um, and it's so long as Washington doesn't turn the ball over that they're going to be able to move the ball uh, against the Stanford defense. If, if Stanford had shown any ability to run the ball well, except for against any team other than Oregon, um, I think I think I would definitely take the points. But uh, just what what Cal was able to do and what Colorado was able to do with that running attack and then Mills on the road. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to I'll lay the points. I'll take Washington. And I, I, I totally hear you, Max, like double digit, uh, you know, in the Pac-12 and this year. But um and, and, and it's, this isn't as much of a pick on Washington, although I do think Washington has impressed. Um, it's more a pick against Stanford with with a pretty well coached um, team with an with an excellent defense. So um, although that under, I'm curious to see what that under is. So keep a lookout for that too, because I think it might be one sided on this, or it could be low on both sides, and um, and Washington squeaks it out. But um, I'll lay the points. Rob, are you laying them? Yeah, give me the Huskies here. Okay, and then Max, just to confirm, you're taking Stanford. Yep. All right, let's move on. Next game, UCLA is a three and a half point underdog at ASU. And guys, this one, I don't even know where to start. Like we haven't seen ASU in like two weeks. Um, I don't know if their coach is going to be there. Like, I don't know whose quarterback is, you know, I'm, I'm sure like the, you know, the, the major players are going to be playing this game, but um, it does, uh, it does make me take a step back and like, I'm not certain if I want to make a pick on this, but we can talk about UCLA um, who beat Arizona 27 to 10. And, um, I think there's some takeaways that we can take from, from that game. Let's start with you, Max. What, what stood out for you and UCLA's win over uh, the cats? Well, so I, I, on the pod last week, I, I took uh, Arizona as a double digit dog, just because I thought with Gunnell that, the, that the offense, I mean, even with Arizona struggles on offensive line, I still think that 
I still have like, some faith in Ganell that I thought that they could put up points, but then of course Ganell first played the game out with a shoulder injury, and and in comes Plummer and Plummer, yikes! So um, and I mean and I don't and so um, I mean I, UCLA is definitely surprised. Like I, I think their defensive line is actually pretty good, and granted, like it definitely helped that they played Arizona's offensive line, but against Oregon, like they made Oregon's offensive line look like like. They were they won the trenches in that game. So I, I, UCLA's defensive line is actually quite good, or at least they've they've looked at the part so far. Uh, with Arizona State, I am actually I think that their defense is, is I really like their defense. Their offense, I'm not sold on at all. And I mean, in their one game against USC, like Jaden Daniels wasn't throwing the ball well at all. It was just really a lot with his legs. Um, and if if UCLA can get uh, the better end of Arizona State's offensive line. I think this is going to be another. I think this is another low-scoring game. I think I, I like these two defenses, and I, and I don't really trust the offenses enough. Though I do like Dimitri Felton a lot. Yeah, I think Max makes a really good point on that under here with this. Um, it, we don't know if DTR is going to be here or Chase Griffin. Either way, I think there uh, is certainly uh, a high probability of turnovers. Uh, Chase Griffin in his game against Arizona, 12 for 20 for 129 and a touchdown. I mean, one of the things that came off uh, from this game, Rob, was actually, and I know it sounds bizarre because they gave up 27 points and they did, but like I thought Arizona's defense for the most part like bottled up this UCLA offense and and for this reason the first is because they were on the field a ton so you had an exhausted Arizona uh, defense they didn't always have the field position obviously UCLA scored and they were able to move the ball but like I thought UCLA given all the given all the um, the items that had happened in that game should have won this game by significantly more points but I thought Arizona's defense actually put up a good fight and I wasn't quite certain and now obviously they they allowed right uh Demetric Felton 206 yards I understand that um but really not a, not a ton through the air. And and they held their own in a number of plays where I just kind of thought, man, I, I really thought UCLA should figure out how to score against this defense. I don't know. Am, am I um, am I talking like a homer? Or or what were your impressions of that game? No, I mean, I, I thought in particular that the defensive line played pretty well. Um, you know, and then I thought, yeah, I also thought that the secondary, you know, had some pretty good moments. I, I, I thought again, I mean, at least the corners did. I thought again that the, you know, the, the, the trouble spots for Arizona came in the linebackers and the safeties and Arizona had trouble at the edge. Right. I mean, and, and true, they, I mean, they had some trouble tackling. I mean, I, I thought that, um, you know, Felton had Felton of course had a heck of a game. UCLA's backup also had a heck of a game. Um, you know, but Arizona, I, I did think that Arizona's defensive line battled really well. Um, and you could argue maybe put up an even better fight, you know, per, per yard than, or per, per rush than, and Oregon's you know defense did uh, against the Bruins, uh, but the you know the flip of it is, is, is it's really hard. I mean, I, I agree with Max. I think on uh, on Wuzuri, not on Wuzurike, um Odigazua. Odigazua. <laughs> I thought it, I think Odigazua is one of the best and, and most improved players in the Pac-12 right now. Um, and I UCLA brought. I mean, also on defense brought nearly constant pressure on Plummer. I mean, they, they, you know, they were also, they brought six on that sack of Gunnell. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, here's what I, here's my question on, on this game is I don't think, I, I think if UCLA is bringing pressure, I think that they have the athletes to chase Daniels down. If they can keep pocket contained as they bring pressure 
on Daniels, I think it could be a really, really long day for this Arizona State offense. If they lose pocket contain on Daniels, though, you know, and, and if they do that regularly, um, I think he could have a pretty big game running the football here. So it's th- that's that's tough for me. I mean, it is sort of tough for me to say, you know, on this one. Like, I, I agree with Max. Like, I, I think it'll be low scoring, but I also just, I mean, it's just it's it's so. I mean, Baderink has this actually as UCLA or Arizona state is just a very, very small, basically a home field favorite, um, you know, 2.34, uh, you know, here, but I, I just, I worry that the sun devils are going to be so rusty. Um, and they still are bra- basically breaking in a new offense. <laughs> they haven't likely been able to do a lot of practicing in these couple of weeks. Um, I just, I don't know what we're going to get out of them. And I, I just, I has like UCLA has been able to play all of these weeks um, they've already gotten you know four games in, so it's it's I I, I feel like I got to go with the Bruins. Yeah, I feel you on that. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points. The one thing that makes me worried from uh, from taking UCLA, but I'm gonna take them anyway, is can they throw the ball? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I mean, now one one thing that they were able to do was Felton and Brown both had 50 yards combined through the air. So they are, they are trying to throw it to the wide receivers. Uh, Dulcich, the tight end certainly is going to be able to, to get his, I think against the defense. Um, but the thing that really worries me is anybody, but those, those players. Um, Cause we just haven't seen it. I mean, Kyle Phillips every once in a while is get him. Chase Cota is going to get a few passes, but um, I just um, against this secondary, I don't know if they're going to be able to stretch the field, but I still don't know if that's going to make a difference because I don't know if ASU is going to be able to put up points either. So I think the under certainly um, is, is on the table. And if I think it's a low scoring game, I'm going to take the point. So I'll take uh, UCLA. But uh, man, I just want to like, if you're an ASU fan, man, this season is such a bummer because there were so many interesting pieces. And I was just fascinated to see what Herm was able to do. Obviously, the loss right off the bat to USC, I thought they played really well on defense. The offense was kind of a problem. Uh, But you would assume that over time that Daniels and that offense was going to put things together and we just didn't get a chance to see it. So, um, I don't know. I'm just really sad. I'm glad that we're able to see ASU, but I just think this reminds me of that Cal game where they were just putting in a super unfair spot against UCLA. And here we are again, a UCLA team playing against a team that hasn't been on the field for a couple, a couple games. So um, I'll take the points. And uh, Max, who are you, who are you siding with here? I'm taking the point. And then correct me if I'm wrong. When UCLA absolutely destroyed Arizona state last season, Jaden Daniels was the quarterback in that game, right? Yeah, he, he was, he was in that game. And actually I, th- I think he probably, pretty well here. I'm, I'm, we took a break to pull it up here. Uh, 20 for 29 with three touchdowns through the air. But I mean, that was all garbage time because I mean, you said it was up like 42 to 10. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 22 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, don't, I mean, yeah, you said like definitely had ASU's number last year and, and that game, like that game is ingrained in my mind too. Yeah. I, I just like UCLA, they, they, they have four games. Arizona state has one. I might I might take UCLA first half money line before the game if, if everything's up to snuff, just because I would UCLA just having all that experience and, and that much more playing time and Arizona State like hasn't even practiced for a lot a lot of the time that they've been off of COVID like yeah I, I could see UCLA getting off to a fast start here so I, I, I'm taking the points too. Let me ask you one more scenario here, Max. What what would have to happen for ASU to win this game? Because I don't think they're going to be able to run on UC. UCLA. has actually been pretty good against the run. Um, uh, Jade, they would need uh, Jaden Daniels to run like crazy. 
and they would need some classic uh, DTR uh, turnover. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's uh let's roll from that game and uh and gosh, it's just such a bummer for ASU. Um, let's move on. Colorado is a seven point favorite on the road against Arizona. Colorado no, was that? There's no. They're seven point road favorite at Arizona. That's what it says. Oh my! God. Wow, that line is that line has jumped. Oh my god, that what? is. I don't. I don't care how bad Arizona is. That's a ter- That's a horrendous line. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 line has to move. So Circa had that at Colorado as a two point favorite when it opened. Ooh, buddy! I wonder if it's because of the Grant Gannell news. Like, I'm not sure if you guys saw, but on the sidelines, somebody tapped Grant Gannell on the shoulder that he got injured on. Is like, hey, hey, you know, stay in there, buddy. And the face that he gave to him, like the darts of his eyes, just going like, eh, don't do that. Um, I just I, I laughed out loud. I, I don't la- like laughing at people's pain, but it was the the face that he gave. Like, oh my gosh, come on, man, like. This is literally my arm. Um, so I, I don't know if it's going to be Plummer. Um, that will be the quarterback. I'm assuming it's likely just because they took him out the whole time. Um, but, but Max, that, that seems you might not be deterred by that. I mean, I still wouldn't touch this game right now because I don't know who's the quarterback. But I this Colorado team getting seven points on the road is is awfully, awfully generous. Now they And, and, and Colorado's been good. But still, it's just that I think that's a gross overreaction. I do. The pro- I guess the problem is Colorado's run defense has been pretty good, and Arizona. Like I think it was interesting listening to the the announcers on Gary Brightwell, and I know um, our friends over at the Pac-12 Apostles. Uh, George really likes um, Brightwell. I think Brightwell's fine. Like he he's a he's I watched him for three years or two years. Ever I think it's three now. Um, he's fine. Like, you know, Arizona will be able to run the ball a decent amount, but like they're running into the strength of that offense or I'm sorry, of, of Colorado's defense. And if it's Plummer, if he's anything like we saw against UCLA, um, I don't care how bad <laughs> Colorado's secondary is. Um, and that's a weakness on weakness. Uh, and I know, I don't know if you flip it over, you know, Neuer's fine. I think Arizona, this might be another under, right? Like Arizona's defense actually, um, it, I, like if if they're not being put in terrible terrible spots, this is a serviceable defense. I do not want to blow them up to be, um, you know, something that they aren't. They're they're okay, um, but you know, I don't know if they're going to be put in spots like that anymore. Um, particularly if Plummer's the quarterback. Uh, Rob, just just to go, to, we we need to make sure to talk about Colorado's game against San Diego State. So they beat them by by ten. They beat them twenty to ten. Uh, Sam Neuer, 17 of 29, 138 yards through the, through the air, 58% completion rate. So, um, again, like if you're Colorado uh, in the, in the previous wins, the way that he's been able to put up, um, yards and just manage the offense, I think is encouraging, but I think that's the cap for him. Um, he's going to get an Arizona uh, secondary that isn't great, but I don't know if he's going to light the world on fire, getting those points through the air. Um, I think the key here probably Rob is the, the running game. Jarek Broussard again, 124 yards. Um, I guess one thing to, to add before I throw it to you is man, Colorado's run defense. They, they helped San Diego state to 80 yards on the ground uh, and then 76 through the air. So uh, I mean, that, that might be, you've been watching more games outside the PAC 12. Is that indicative of San Diego state or uh, of the Colorado defense? 
San Diego State, Rocky Long is not the head coach at San Diego State because he was basically told he needed to make a change at offensive coordinator and was said, I would rather quit <laughs> and make a change. <laughs> um, so I mean, that, San Diego State has lived off of having, you know, a very good defense with Rocky Long calling plays, um, you know, during his tenure there and has had a, a horrific offense for most of his time. It's, you know, they, they haven't had enough time to really move on from that. They haven't been great offensively so far this season. Um, you know, I, I do think, I mean, Colorado, you have to feel good about, you know, you know, getting, getting out of, getting out against San Diego state with a win, you know, that the defense is stingy enough for the Aztecs that, you know, you put up 272 yards against the mountain West team. Um, that's not great, but it's enough to get it done. Um, I, I think if you're Colorado, like, like it's just, it, it, they're, they're, they're really, for me, they are still a really tough team to read, you know, like they got by UCLA with a lot of turnovers, you know, they got by a Stanford team that looks, you know, increasingly just very, very, very bad, <laughs> um, you know, uh, and that Stanford, you know, like, you know, and, and, but Stanford really was also, I mean, there was also able to really come back on them. Um, I think if Gunnell plays, you know, and his, and his, his arm and his arm is serviceable, you know, I think this is closer to where beta rank has it, which is Colorado is a, a two point favorite. I mean, even though I th- do think that, you know, you clearly, you have to feel like there's, you know, if there's a book out on Arizona, it's that the offensive line is abysmal, um, you know, and that, you know, they struggle to pick up blitzes. Um, you know, if, if your defensive line is any good, they will also struggle with man on man blocking. Uh, you know, I, so I think, you know, if Plummer plays from what we saw with Plummer, I, I mean, I'd be a little concerned, but I mean, they also don't have any, like Colorado doesn't have a big right? Like they also don't have the kind of athletes even that UCLA has. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not like UCLA doesn't have some world beating defense, but I, I, I'm with Max. Like, I'm just, I'm surprised to see it this high, right? Like I think, you know, Arizona, I mean, they flubbed it a bit. They were, they did, they were a little more competent in the second half, right? If Plummer's playing seven ish, I mean, I, I feels a little, I mean, close, but I, I don't know. We'll see. Like, we'll see. I want to see Colorado have to, like, I want to see Colorado, if Arizona can stack the box, force, force Colorado to throw, I want to see Neuer have to win it with his arm. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, if I'm, I'm assuming, and, and we, let's make these picks assuming that it's Plummer and not Gunnell. And then if it's Gunnell, we'll just, we'll just wipe it. Um, I'm taking air. I'm taking Colorado. I just, I think, I think they're going to be able to bottle up the run. Um, and then I don't know. I don't know if Arizona is going to be able to move the ball. And even though Neuer isn't great, um, I think he's going to be able to put up just, a, he's going to do what Washington did in the, like in the, just put up enough yards in that first half to open up the run. And I think, I think it's kind of over from there. So I'll, I'll lay the points. I'll take Colorado. Um, and then if, you know, if it is Gunnell, then we can always revisit, but, uh, Max, are you going to lay him? No, I'm, I'm, well, I just, I don't even know who the quarterback is, but just off of principle, I just think that that line is outrageous no matter who the quarterback is. So uh, I'll take, uh, the Wildcats. Okay. And how about yourself, Rob? I mean, it really pains me to, cause I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have like curdled on this Arizona offensive line. I, I feel like though that like Eric, like I feel like Colorado is, is still a little closer to Arizona than this line is. So yeah, I'll, I'll take Arizona. 
All right. One more game here. Let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. And two teams that we weren't able to see last week, uh, Wazoo comes in as a 14-point underdog on the road at USC. This this seems like way too many points. But we, we haven't seen both teams play. Uh, and I don't know, Max. I, like You're the expert here on some of these lines, particularly um, when it comes to these double digits here. Is, is, do you think this is too many points? What do you think about this matchup? Well, do we even know if Jaden Galore is playing? I don't know. <laughs> so this is another one where... We don't even know who the quarterback is. So how how can I bet? How can I get bet on this game? Um, Rob, let's assume. Let, let's. Uh, we we had a. Uh, we have some good Wazoo fans. We have a lot of USC fans. So let's just approach this from the standpoint that Jaden Delora does play. So we can kind of highlight some of the uh, things to keep a lookout for here. What do you think? I mean, I you know, Beta Rank has this at seven points. USC is a favorite. Um, if Delora doesn't play, I mean, that's obviously, you know, a big downside for Washington state. Their offense has been somewhat confident, um, you know, in this game, you know, and USC, I mean, they they've, they've, even as they have, you know, uh, we have gotten more data on them and the model, they've really still been hovering on like that fringy top 25, <laughs> like in the top 30, uh, you know, team. You know, I don't think that they, I mean, they've looked, they've managed to make themselves look really vulnerable against everyone that they've played, you know, up to this point with the exception really of Utah and, and Utah, you know, that was their first game of the season. They hadn't been able to practice a ton before that. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, Washington state's going to come into this with some practice issues. I, mean, I don't, I mean, frankly, like we're, this game already got moved to Sunday because we're not sure that USC is going to be able to play. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I USC's not gonna be able to practice a lot either with their COVID. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, it just, it, that just feels like a lot of points for USC to have that much faith in them. Well, Brett, let's let break down the numbers here, um, of these two teams, because I think it's just fascinating yeah. because Washington state certainly has, um, done better than we had assumed that they would, particularly with the new offense, the new coach, the new defense. Yep. Um, so, so where do these two teams lie? So uh, USC comes in at 27, uh, Washington State's at 39. USC's got the number 18 offense, um, you know, far more explosive than they are efficient. Um, they're at number 10, an effective pass, 75, an effective rush. Uh, Washington State comes in with the number 81 defense, not a real big run pass, but 74 versus 88. Um, you certainly wouldn't want to be going up against, you know, the number 80, you know, with the number 88 graded out pass defense against number 10, but um, you know, USC often manages to sh- shoot themselves in the foot. The other side of the ball, it's the number 46 uh, defense for USC uh, against the number 28 offense for the Cougs. Uh, the Cougs are 21 in effective pass, 63 in effective rush. I mean, they really have. Zalora has been pretty good, uh, you know, in, in getting the ball out and, and making good decisions. The transition to the run and shoot has been less painful than I think most everyone was expecting. Um, USC... They have really struggled with the run. Uh, number 64 in effective rush. Uh, you know, they're at 28 in effective pass defensively. I mean, it is interesting. I mean, I don't know. I You guys have seen this as well as I have. I mean, Washington State definitely does like to throw the ball, but they are more effective running the ball than they were in the past. Um, you know, in this USC defense, you certainly feel like you could run against them. Um, you know, Gaiote is still in concussion protocol. Uh, you know, they're 
they're they USC feels a little vulnerable to the run here. Max, let's assume Delore is there. Um and and humor the listeners here uh on this game. I, I just thought it was fascinating. Like if this was a regular game and you have Delora in an offense that can move the ball, like I just do you trust USC's defense to stop that? Like it just seems like they're gonna be able to to score. Uh well the only time I've I've taken USC against the spread as a double I took them as a double digit favorite against Arizona and Arizona had made that game really close and this is an Arizona team that I, I don't even know how like that's just been it, they've been a train wreck pretty much I can't I can't back Clay Helton coach team as a double digit favorite anymore nope. no shot <laughs> um what uh what would be the scenario for USC uh to cover this spread like, is it, is it just a bad secondary from Washington State? Yeah, it's just that their offense scores. It's just that Washington State can't stop USC's passing attack, that Slovis has a good game. Uh, I mean, USC has the receivers, obviously. Um, and then I don't know, USC just has so much offensive talent. And Washington State, I mean, like, they I mean, they, they haven't played a game in a, um, in a while, but... Yeah, I think I think it's just USC's offense like unloading on Washington State, and and that's how that would happen. Yeah, Rob, because I I mean USC really can't run the football, and Washington State's front seven isn't terrible, um, so it's not like you know they've been a giant sieve. So you have the the struggle bus that is the offensive line for uh, USC and, and trying to run the ball, and then I, I guess they'd really just you'd you'd really have to bet on Slovis, who has been shaky so far. Uh, you know, having a really, really solid game and turnovers, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, for USC to cover, you feel like they really have to stop trying to run the ball um, and wasting, uh, you know, wasting their time essentially given how bad they are at it. <laughs> uh, you know, and really lean into throwing the, I mean, like I, USC could cover without turnovers. I think if Delora doesn't, I mean, well, let's say he's playing. Um, if they really lean into what they do very well, and let, let's say they, you know, really try to stress out this Washington State defense, you know, put, uh, you know, put four wide on the field, um, you know, force Washington State to get really deep into their, uh, you know, secondary's depth chart, you know, really force force the Cougs too to, um, you know, try to find ways to get a, you know, effective pressure on uh, Slovis. I just, I don't know. Like, I just don't feel like us. I feel like USC is, is, is their, their offense. It just feels like, it feels like it's a little bit rickety at this point. Like it's good, but like there's, they, they themselves are in some ways are sort of keeping it from potentially becoming great. Uh, and then the defense has been better, but I mean, not, not great. Uh, and I, I, I feel like having watched, uh, Arizona be able to move the ball pretty effectively against them. They were able to slow down Utah and, you know, they really did shut down in a lot of cases, ASU, um, you know, with, uh, AS, I mean, ASU had a pretty, pretty horrific offensive performance when you dive into the numbers against, uh, the Trojans. But I think Washington state's offense is going to be the, the best offense that they, you know, that USC's defense has faced up to this point with, if Delora plays. And I think that they're going to struggle a little bit. Mm. Okay. Well, we will see. I just, um, you know, maybe we're building up Washington state's offense to be better than it is. Um, because you know, Delore is still a true freshman. If you take a look back, I think his completion rate is like 61%. I have to go double check that. Uh, but it's not like, he's, I mean, like he is certainly 
made some awesome decisions. He's also thrown some picks, and uh, it's possible that he's just has a really bad game. Um, but I do trust the coaching staff to like at least allow him to get the ball in those short and intermediate areas and just tr- and just torch that defense. And I think that it's possible for them to rack up yards. Um, it's just whether or not he's going to make a decision. So anyway, I'll, I'll take the points. Um, but I, we, we won't have to pick this game. I, let's not pick it because um, I think this one's the most questionable, <laughs> particularly since we don't know whether or not both sides are going to be there. Um, but I wanted to at least break it down for our friends here in, uh, in Los Angeles and in the Palouse. Uh, with that, guys, that is going to be it. Any, anything else you, you want to bring up, Rob? No, no, that's that's enough. That's that's everything. All right, Max, anything else you want to get off your chest? Uh, no, just, you know, just another. Well, I was, I was almost going to say Sunday. It's just that after Thanksgiving weekend, it, it doesn't feel like Monday today. No, not at all. It was nice, like you mentioned, to see Bill Walton on the television, bring back a little bit of normalcy, even though uh, he's wearing the Maui Gym sunglasses while he's in like Asheville, North Carolina or whatever. So uh, still not quite normal, but uh, we're, we are inching that way. Um, stay safe out there, everybody, and we will catch you all next week.